Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is an entertainment podcast, and the research we do may come from semi-unreliable sources. Welcome to Research Rebuttal Podcast. It's the podcast where two stubborn friends prove each other wrong. Each week, one of us will be the researcher, and one of us will be the guesser. I'm Rachel Teichman, and this is Paige Dempster. Hi. And today, we're going to discuss American Discovery and Disco Balls. I'll be your guesser today, and Paige will be the researcher. Let's get rebutted. Hello, Rachel. Do you know what day it is? It's Leif Erikson Day, according to the day that we're recording this. Okay, but how about the day this comes out? Indigenous People's Day. Yeah. So we're going to talk about, well, we're going to start by talking about America and who got here first and when and whatnot. And let's start with how people even got here in the first place. Okay. I want you to just give me your best guess as to how people got to, like, the North and South American landmass. Like, how long ago was it, and where did they come from? Well, I don't know how long ago it was. I know it was a long time ago. Like, yeah. like more than 500 years ago. Yeah, we're not very good with numbers here. Yeah, I'm terrible with years, but I know it was a very long time ago. I okay. think they probably got here by boat. Okay. And what's the other question? And where did they come from? Oh, so they were mostly coming from China and Africa originally. And then when you skip forward to the Leif Erikson years, um, he was coming from like Iceland, I think. Okay. You're starting today off with a nice big rebuttal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, according to Wikipedia, the best theory we have for how we're going to say Native Americans in this case. Oh, got, we're going to talk about Native Americans and they came by from Americans. like the land strip. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know that's what we were talking yeah, about today. The yeah, Native okay. Americans were the first people here. Yeah, and they came from like China. Close. Um, so yeah, they got here by foot by that land bridge that was here 15,000 years ago, Wikipedia thinks. The landmass was called Beringia, and it connected Asia to America by connecting Siberia and Alaska. So they didn't come from China, they came from Siberia. Okay, yeah. And that's why um, that little strip of water that's separating Russia from America is called the Bering Strait. It's because of Beringia. Amazing. Yeah. So you did say something about boat. And you'll be pleased to know that there is a little bit of evidence to support that Polynesians may have made their way over to South America. But even if that's true, that wasn't until 800 years ago. And that was way after our little ice capade. 
Ice Capade. Ice Capade. So that being said, we definitely know who got here first, but now let's talk about people who thought they got here first. Okay. Starting with everyone's least favorite explorer, Christopher Columbus. Yes. Uh, Tell me about Christopher Columbus. Personal opinions aside for now, but just give me like your textbook knowledge about him. Okay. Textbook knowledge from the early to mid 2000s (laughs) in textbooks from the 1980s. Yes. In the New Jersey curriculum told me that Christopher Columbus was ordered by the queen and Amerigo Vespucci (laughs) to come here on the Nina, the Pinta and the Santa Maria. Oh, good. I learned that in music class. <laughs> I don't know why we had a song about that. I don't know if you remember it. It was to help us memorize like the base facts about Christopher Columbus. I don't need no interdisciplinary action in my music class. Do you remember the rhyme that we were taught? Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. And yeah, so he came here on these boats ordered by the queen to come to this land. Wait, wait, wait. The queen of what country? Spain. Okay. And the queen of Spain was like, go colonize this land, bring back some spices. And so he came over on these boats. There were probably slaves on these boats, although that's not what we were taught. And then they got to America, um, but not the United States as we know it, I don't think. I think they landed somewhere in, like, the Bahamas, maybe? Okay. And then they attempted to colonize this land. I know they made several trips back and forth. Yeah. And Christopher Columbus was, he was not well-liked. Debatable. Yeah, it's debatable. Some people didn't like him. Um, And then the Queen of Spain, didn't she get really angry with him about something? Um, At some point, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the mid-2000s New Jersey Who Found America curriculum. You did a pretty good job. Um, I'll brush up some of it, though. Okay, according to History.com, he was born the son of a wool merchant in Genoa, Italy in 1451. Then, like you said, in 1492, when he was 40, he presented his idea of sailing west to get to Asia to three different countries. He proposed it to England, Portugal, and Spain. And Spain, correct, was the country that was like, yeah, sure, go for it. And they promised him he could keep 10% of whatever profits he came across, plus governorship of any land he happened to come across. Then they gave him his three famous ships, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. Let's talk more about the boats really quick. Yes, please. We all know that he took those three ships to the New World, but how many do you think came back? One. Close. Zero. Two. (laughs) Nice try, though. He accidentally destroyed the Santa Maria on his way back. And he was only left with the Nina and the Pinta. Accidentally. A quote unquote, accidentally. Well, why would he wreck his own boat, though? Why would he wreck his own boat, though? 
It could have to do with this fun fact that Nina was his favorite ship out of the three of them. Why is that? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Now, when he sunk the Santa Maria, was there a lifeboat? Like, how did he survive that? According to, I believe this was the same history.com article, it didn't get wrecked too far off the shore. So he was actually able to swim back. He did not deserve that. He absolutely did not deserve that. More about swimming back to shore, yet another segue. It's actually a very common misconception that Columbus was from Portugal, when in fact he's actually from Italy. Do you want to take a guess as to why this misconception is a thing? There's a story behind it. Well, I'm not the best at geography, but I'm pretty sure Portugal is not near Italy. Not too close. And... You know, I know I've read about this. I don't fully remember, but uh, I think that this misconception was a thing because of his name. When Columbus was a teenager, he was working on what was probably a merchant ship. But in 1476, their ship got attacked by pirates. The ship sank, but he somehow survived And he managed to cling on to a little piece of scrap wood for dear life until it floated to the Portuguese shoreline. And from there, he was like, you know, maybe I don't want to be a merchant anymore. And he decided to stay in Portugal to study navigation and cartography. So that's two times he survived shipwreck. Where did Columbus land initially in the New World? I believe you mentioned a country before. Yeah, somewhere around the Bahamas, right? You're correct. There's a little bit of dispute about like where exactly what it was, but the best answer looks like a place called Guanahani, which is now the Bahamas. He renamed it to San Salvador. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you the floor to rant about Christopher Columbus for a little bit before I tell you what exactly he did. I'm going to keep this pretty brief. Christopher Columbus, he thought he was the first person to do this. He was not the first person to do this. He brought whiteness to that part of the country when really, what was he doing doing that? He had no right. He thinks he's so cool that he can bring over his boats, take over some land. That's the thing. Like, did did Spain even own the Bahamas at this point? I don't know. I don't think so. So I don't understand how Spain could give Christopher Columbus permission to own and govern whatever land he finds when it's already owned and governed. Yeah, screw the monarchy. And so he did this and was one of many people to set this precedent of if I can kill you, I can take this land. He was not the first person in history to do this, but um, he is one of the reasons that America sucks. The end. Good rant. So there's three main horrible things that Columbus did to the native people when he landed. I believe they're actually called the Lucayan people. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but you did touch upon all of them a little bit. He brought a bunch of... Foreign diseases from Europe by accident, which... Oh, my God. (laughs) COVID part one. (laughs) It was actually smallpox, but sure. Um, Still a virus. 
still a virus, and it did get a bunch of indigenous people sick. He forcefully converted everyone to Christianity. Wow! (laughs) That's a mission trip if I've ever heard of one. Pretty much, yeah. And then there was, of course, just outright enslaving them. Wow! So, literally the first day he landed, he ordered six Lucayans to be captured because he thought they would, quote, make good servants. When he was in Hispaniola, which, for people who don't know, is that big island that Haiti and the Dominican Republic share, he sent thousands of peaceful Taino people living there back to Spain as slaves. When Columbus arrived there, there were over 200,000 of these people living there, and 60 years later, after all of the slavery and the violence and the disease, there were only a few hundred people. He literally wiped out almost an entire nationality of people. So, all this being said, would you like to hear some bad things that happened to Columbus, slash some good things that actually came out of this voyage, before we move on from him? Yes, please. I thought so. So in 1500, Columbus was actually detained and arrested by a royal administrator due to mismanagement of the land he was governing. He did get released eventually, but he lost his title as governor after that. And then eventually, he died in 1506 of severe arthritis after a bad infection at the ripe old age of 55. Not even old enough to retire. Not even as old as Trump. Not even as old as Trump. How old is Kamala Harris? She might not even be as old as that. She's like, what, 40? Let me double check. I'm surprised we didn't talk more about Lisa She's 55. <laughs> oh. She's 55. Wow. She's, he died at the same age as Kamala Harris is kicking butt today. There was one good thing that came out of the exploration, believe it or not. It's something that's now referred to as the Columbian Exchange. So Columbus did bring over a bunch of deadly diseases, but he also brought over a bunch of wheat and horses. Uh, Wheat became a staple food source, and horses allowed Native Americans to shift from a nomadic lifestyle to a more efficient hunting style. And then on the other hand, Columbus brought back not only a bunch of slaves, but also a bunch of potatoes and tomatoes and corn, which Europeans thrived off of. I do have very strong feelings about the migration of produce around the world. So, yes, good. Are they are they good feelings? Sometimes. Well, like, imagine Ireland without its potatoes. Or, like, Italy without its tomatoes. Wow. So, yeah, Columbus sucks. But now let's talk about someone who doesn't suck. Who? Leif Erikson. Whoa! Yeah, and also a whole bunch of other randos. Okay. Now, do you know anything about Leif Erikson before he was a Viking? Was he not just born into Vikinghood? Kind of, kind of not. So I'm I'm gonna assume that's a no. Yeah. Alright, so I'll give you- Can I make it up? I mean, sure, why not? Okay. So when Leif Erikson was a child, he was born to a mother who was a weaver and a father who was an alchemist. They had big dreams for him to grow up one day and be an an ironsmith. 
But he decided to rebel against his parents. And at the age of 14, he left home to become a Viking because he felt that the good fight was in him. That's a beautiful backstory. But would you like to hear the actual story? Yes. Okay, so our boy Leif, he was born around 960 AD in Iceland. At the age of 12, his father, Eric the Red, was banished from Iceland for three years after killing another man over a dispute. And normally in this situation, you just go to like a neighboring country. But the closest country, Norway, he was also banished from there because of a different dispute. So he just packed up his whole family, including Leif, and just decided to sail out west because he heard rumors of there was maybe land out there, but he didn't know. Wow. Now, so Eric the Red wasn't a very good person. I guess not, no. Like, in order to be banned from two countries, <laughs> like, I'm... I can understand being banned from one country, okay? Yeah. If you get banned from one country, there's a possibility you're not a garbage piece of human. But to get banned from both Iceland and Finland? No, Norway. And Norway? Like, what are you doing? Like, like they got universal health care. What did you're you do? the problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so according to the source that I was reading about this, he probably killed at least two people. But he did actually discover land. Like, Eric the Red, not Leif Erikson, but his dad. Hmm. Do you want to guess what landmass and or island he discovered? Is this separate from what Leif Erikson discovered? This is separate from what Leif Erikson discovered. Okay. So, uh, Daddy Leif discovered... Is Bermuda an island? Um, let me check. <laughs> like, there's the Bermuda okay, um, Triangle. Um, yes, it is an island. It's very far south, though, so you might want to change your answer. Well, it's like, it's like off of the Carolinas, but I, I suppose you're right compared to Iceland. That's pretty far. So I'm going to say that, so he did head west, right? Yeah. Think what's west. Use your geography skills. What's west of Iceland? Greenland? Yeah, you got it. So wait a second. So Greenland geographically is not that far away from Iceland and he discovered it. Yeah. Wow. Like, there were rumors of there being land over there, but, like, no one actually set foot on it or anything. Huh. They were only sailing for a few days, actually, when they came across literally the entire entirety of Greenland. And so his family lived there for the next three years to wait at the banishment. Wow. Now, let's skip forward a few years. Leif Erikson's a full-blown Viking. He's got his own crew and whatnot. What land did Leif Erikson discover first? Canada. Specify. Vineland. Very close. Vinland? I don't know. Well, it's not the pronunciation. Oh. Um, so 600 miles west of Greenland, they found a piece of land that was pretty much just like a slab of rock. And like they were super disappointed. So they called it Baffin Island, which roughly translates to stupid slab of rock. And it's actually the largest largest island in the Canadian Shield. So yeah, he found Canada. 
Yeah, but I wanted you to specify. Ah, okay. Because a lot of what he found is actually in Canada. Yeah. What other land did Leif Erikson discover? Vineland. Yes, which is now known as... Oh. Um, Canada. (laughs) Almost. Uh, Quebec. (laughs) Okay, okay. So he traveled further southeast to an island with more mild temperatures, rich meadows for cattle to graze on, and even grapes to make wine. He named the land Vinland slash Vineland, probably translating to Wineland, which is modern-day Newfoundland. Newfoundland. And and it's his biggest, most famous discovery. Wow. But there were definitely already, like, indigenous people there. Um, I did not see anything stating that there were indigenous people in my research. It might have been uninhabited. I am pretty sure. Okay, we're doing a lot of double fact-checking this episode. <laughs> Before leave Erickson. Uh, North Explorer, European... No, it was uninhabited. Wow. According to nationalpost.com. Guess we'll have to have to stick this one in the sources, too. Wow. Wow, uninhabited. Bonus points. Let's see, where was I? Oh, so remember when I mentioned that, like, besides Leif Erikson, there were a whole bunch of other randos? Yes. So it turns out a lot of other countries have found bits and pieces of America even before Leif Erikson. Not surprised. Yeah, including China and Ireland. Not surprised. Yeah, but these claims aren't super well documented, so no one actually knows where these countries landed and even if it actually happened. The Irish claim is kind of cool, though. There was a person named St. Brendan, and he discovered Newfoundland, apparently, in the 6th century, like 400 years before Leif Erikson. Whoa. Yeah. That was a lot to take in. It's time for a word from our sponsor. Is your boomer relative insistent that Columbus was the first one to America and is refusing all scientific and historical facts? Then you need chloroform. All it takes is one cloth dipped in chloroform, firmly pressed to the nose and mouth, to earn hours of peaceful silence as your relative takes a relaxing nap on the floor, giving them time to dream about how wrong they were. Order now at chloroformcolumbus.com and use the code RNR for a 5% discount on orders $50 or more. Bonus of street packaging. Chloroform. Make it the new chloronorm for dealing with your problems. Mm, welcome back. Hey. Did you get your chloroform? I did, and I used it on all the boomers in my life, even the cool ones. Oh, I mean, it wasn't for the cool ones, but I guess that's okay. Well, they deserve a good nap. Everyone deserves a good nap. Speaking of people deserving good naps, I'd like to take this moment to give a shout out to my grandma, because it is her birthday on the day that this is coming out. I hope you have a good nap today, if you want one. Hi, Rachel's grandma. Have a good day. She, however, is not a boomer. Yeah, she's a generation before boomer. I forget what it's called. 
like either greatest generation or silent generation. Anyway. Anyway, we're going to take a big turn away from discovering America and talk about disco balls. Wow. Are you ready for this? I've never been more ready. Cool. Let's begin. What was the disco ball's original purpose? The disco ball's original purpose was to alert ships that there's land. Kind of like a lighthouse, but <laughs> but with more mirrors. <laughs> I really admire your answer, and I kind of just asked you this to see what you would come up with, because it was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> The disco ball was always a party decoration. <laughs> oh, man. But I'm very pleased with your theory. Thank you. You're welcome. No more trick questions, though. Who invented the disco ball and when? Discoteca Malone. I'm sorry? Discoteca Malone oh. just invented the disco ball in 1955. Okay. Again, I admire your answer but it's time to get rebutted. The disco ball's origins go all the way back to about 1897. And around this time, there was an annual ball for a Massachusetts electrician company. And its most notable party decoration was, quote, the group's initials and BEW were illuminated with, double quote, incandescent lamps of various colors on wire mesh over the ballroom, and another light flashed on a mirrored ball. Hmm. Hmm. Origin story? Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> disco this is ball. your next movie. Ooh, a disco ball-themed superhero. It wasn't until 1924 when the first patent for this decoration was filed by an inventor named Louis B. Weste. Thanks, Louis. Thanks, Louis. Fun fact, I actually, like, tried to find a picture of him, and I could only, first of all, like, it took me, like, 10 minutes. Wow. Through, through Google. Like, there are no pictures of this man anywhere. I finally found some, found one on some bizarre website. I wonder what he's hiding from. Well, he's probably dead now. Maybe he's trying to cheat death or something. Uh, what was it called before the disco ball? The mirror ball. Correct. Really? Yeah. I mean, wow. it's kind of, like, intuitive if you think about it. It is just a ball of mirrors. When I think of disco balls, I think of the disco ball you could try to win with all your tickets at Chuck E. Cheese. Is that a thing? That was a thing. I don't... Well, you've been to Chuck E. Cheese more than I have. True. My family did not take me to Chuck E. Cheese a lot. I'm so sorry. Eh, I'm not that mad about it. It's how you get COVID. It is how you get COVID. My dad's nickname for Chuck E. Cheese is actually Chuck E. Disease. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> because, yeah, it is a germ factory. Uh, oh, for bonus points, would you like to guess the name that Weste put on the patent? Because it wasn't the mirror ball. The window ball. This one's a lot harder to guess, actually. The reflection ball. It's not ball, I'll tell you that much. The game sphere. <laughs> the game sphere. It was called the Myriad Reflector. Wow. Yeah, and even though that was the name on, like, the official patent, uh, people still just called it the Mirror Ball. Hmm. There are a few other names for it, though, but we'll get into that. So, for our next section, I have sent you a reference picture. Oh, yes. I am looking at it right now. What is it to the people at home? Please tell them. 
it appears to be the world's largest disco ball. It is the world's largest disco ball. But how big do you think that disco ball is? In terms of circumference or volume? Um, how about diameter? Um, I'm gonna guess... Diameter is the one that goes straight across, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, friends, I did not do that well in geometry. Believe me, I know. I think that it is 30 feet in diameter. You're really close. It's actually 10.33 meters, which translates to 34 feet in diameter, or okay. just about. That's close. Yeah. Yeah. It was created by the company New Substance, and it took about three months to build. I see you have swapped the cameras. I may, I might have done a couple of things. I see you have mirrored us. We're going to have a ball. A disco ball. <laughs> Speaking of mirrors, I'm on fire with these segues today. You are. Guess how many tiles are on the disco ball? Okay. The world's largest disco ball, specifically. Yeah, let's see. I'm going to say 600. I'm going to let you guess again, because that's way off. Like, higher or lower? Higher, way higher. Oh. Um, I'm going to guess 1,500. Not as far off, but the answer is exactly 2,500 tiles. And they are attached with over 11,000 zip ties. Zip ties? Yeah. I wonder why they did zip ties. Um, you know, I couldn't actually find anything. I figured you would want to, like, glue them somehow. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. Yeah. Well, we're almost done with the episode. I have one last thing I would like to do. Okay. We are going to play a game. All right. I'm going to give you a true-false quiz. Okay. And much like our rainwater episode, if you get all of these right, I will Venmo you $1. Okay. Let's begin. True or false? Disco balls all must rotate in the same direction. True. False. God it. <laughs> false. Any direction is fine. Well, you've already lost, but would you like to keep going? Yes, please. Okay. True or false? The standard disco ball size is 12 inches in diameter. True. False again. There is no standard disco ball size. Believe me, oh. I tr- believe me, I tried to find one. Last one. Another name for the disco ball is the sparkle ball. False. True. According to Wikipedia, it's also called the sparkle ball or the glitter ball. I'm happy for it. Well, Rachel completely failed. But if you would like to send her any money... In compensation, her Venmo is Rachel-Teichman, all lowercase. Friends, please sponsor me. Please sponsor Rachel. Also, Paige's Venmo is... Oh, I don't know it off the top of my head. Let's find out. If you see a profile picture with Waluigi, that's me. Paige's Venmo is Paige-Dempster. Thanks for the plug. Please sponsor her. Please sponsor me. Well, that's all I have. Okay, well... Thanks for listening to this episode of Research Rebuttal Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Research Rebuttal Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Research Rebut with two T's. Please email us topic suggestions at researchrebuttalpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us how much you hate Christopher Columbus.
Yes, please tell us all about how much you hate Christopher Columbus. Please sponsor us. And don't forget to chloroform some people in your life. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Oh, my God. (laughs) Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.